first step is identifying the business you want to buy. So as you're having the conversation, it's really important to understand, you know, who is giving you the money and what is the, what's like the incentive for them in that structure? What is important to the person who's letting me have this money? This is a new podcast. Please share it, you know, like it, subscribe, all that good stuff. Hi everyone, I'm Rick Baza and this is The Drive Podcast where we talk about business, acquisitions, and general investing and occasionally a little bit of real estate. So in this episode, I want to talk about the acquisition process um, and specifically, well, how do you come up with funding for these different uh, acquisitions you're you're aspiring to make? Um, So I've been very fortunate to have uh, three very different acquisitions so far, um, each one of which actually utilized various means of funding um, that I think would be helpful to go through and just give some color around what that process looks like and uh, hopefully some helpful advice as you get interested in, you know, moving toward that space. If you do find this information valuable, my ask of you, this is a new podcast, please share it, you know, like it, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, Just like help us grow the word. It would mean a lot. Um, Obviously, there's no fee for this. So that would be my ask of you. Um, so as we get started, there's, you know, basically a few different traditional uh, financing options. Those are the ones I'm going to stick to. You know, I'm not going to get too crazy and outside the box here, but, you know, the, the more realistic means that like 90% of potential acquisition um, entrepreneurs are going to be utilizing. So obviously the the first and easiest is is cash, <laughs> straight cash homie as Randy Moss. Uh, I'm from New England, so that's a famous line from Randy Moss uh, used to say. So Basically, if you have cash, obviously cash is king. So you're going to have a lot of optionality. But there's very few of us, myself included, who have, you know, a million dollars of cash just sitting around ready to, you know, get uh, plopped into a new business venture. Um, So if you have that, obviously you have a lot of different options available to you. But if you don't, you're like the normal rest of us who don't, and you're going to have to explore some other alternative means. So typically what those means are going to be are primarily you have either your debt sources or your equity sources. Now, in my case, I try as best as I can, and I you know, hope to, uh, this, this may change, uh, you know, it's in my personal circumstance of life right now, I have not wanted to take on investors or, or give up any equity. So I've primarily utilized debt sources, or I've only utilized debt sources in order to make these acquisitions happen. Uh, but for my previous life and just knowledge of others who have gone through this process, I am familiar with the equity component. So I'll touch on that as well. Um, but when you think about debt, so basically it's, you know, just as you would, I, I, I always use the um, analogy of a mortgage. So in most instances, you know, you're borrowing money, a significant amount um, to place down as your payment for the business. And there's going to be different vehicles available to you. So the most popular by far is what's called the SBA 7A loan program. So the SBA 7A loan program is a loan program uh, that many banks around the country participate in. It would be to your benefit to speak to a bank that does a lot of these because they can be complicated, but they don't have to be. Um, The bank I use they don't pay, they're used in the past. Uh, they don't pay me to say this by any means, but I used Live Oak Bank for mine. They are the largest SBA 7A lender in the country. So they had an awesome process. A lot of people say like, oh my God, it's like, you know, getting a colonoscopy, it's horrible. I did not feel that way at all. Um, everything they asked for was stuff that I would have fully expected them to ask for, you know, financials, tax returns, credit history, all of that. Um, it, nothing was a surprise and they were very um, smooth through their process. So I had a great experience with them, you know, but there are plenty of others out there. And anyway, so you want a lender who's done this before, been there, done that. You know, I would not recommend just going with someone who said, yeah, they've done a couple of them. From what I've heard, you may be in for a, a, a really bad headache and you may even lose your deal because of it, which would be the worst case scenario. So once you've identified though your lender, um, as you can imagine, you're, well, sorry, let me back up because obviously the first step is identifying the business you want to buy, right? And um, 
Um, at that point, you've you've identified the business. You know, you're going through whether it's uh, different networking channels, so CPAs, lawyers. Maybe you're just going on the classic like bizbysell.com website to look up different businesses that are available. But whatever it is, you've identified the business you want. You've gone through and you know talked to the seller, and you've come to the conclusion, hey, I've seen the financials. I like what it is. I want to make this acquisition happen. So at that point, you're now talking to the bank, and you really at that you know stage of the uh, decision making process, you're you're getting interviewed essentially. Like, why are they going to lend to you? You know, do you have a business plan in place? Are you someone that they are going to think is, you know that has a chance of successfully taking this over and operating it? You know, at the end of their day, at the end of the day, a big thing to know on the debt side is they don't necessarily care as much of your growth path because they're not participating in the upside of the growth. What they care about as a lender is making sure that those debt payments are going to be paid back on a regular basis. So this is one of the interesting things where, you know, on Shark Tank, for example, you probably think of how they're thinking of all this explosive growth and how am I going to capture upside later? That's more on the equity side. The debt side doesn't care about that as much. They What they care about is how risky is this that I'm going to make my return back the money that I bar- let them borrow plus my interest along the way. Like that is their primary and only concern for the most part. So all your growth plans and everything, sweet. Yeah, of course they want to see that you have a, a, a business plan in place, but mostly they want to make sure, am I going to get my money back? That's their business model, right? So as you're having the conversation, it's really important to understand, you know, who is giving you the money and what is the, what's like the incentive for them in that structure. So in debt structure, it's protection of capital. Equity, that's a different conversation. That may be higher upside opportunity, and we'll talk about that a little bit. So as you're going through the bank um, process, you know, they're asking you for your information. Now, there are there may be stipulations. So like in my first uh, acquisition that I did, uh, actually even obtained an SBA 7A loan because I did not have a plumbing license. And obviously, a key risk to the, bi- the bank, going back to look at it from their perspective, how am I going to lend money to someone who doesn't even have a license to operate this business? Right? That's, a, that's a natural risk that I understandably uh, could say, well, yeah, no, no, no way I'm getting that loan. So in that case, we had to come up with alternative means, which then introduced the concept of something like either seller financing or potentially having to take on investors or things like that. So that's when you have to go into a concept I'll, I'll describe now is called seller financing, which is also very popular. And this can be really attractive to the sellers, but understand, go again, put it from what is their lens, you're now introducing another risk to the process, right? So if you're asking the seller to basically be your bank, that's where the seller is saying, hey, I'll allow you to basically make, and I'm just going to make up a number, but let's say your purchase is for a million dollars and the seller says, I'm going to finance 500,000 of that. Well, you're now asking them to basically trust that you're going to make those $500,000 worth of payments plus interest over time and that they're going to have confidence they're going to get that, right? Whereas if you had just gotten that full loan from the SBA and given them the million dollars, they don't have any risk of that anymore, right? They've, the seller has now gotten their money. They're happy. So by introducing seller financing, you are introducing a new risk to the seller and you may have to introduce a, other potential upside to offset that risk. So maybe it's uh, in the terms of a better rate. Maybe it's in the terms of a better payback period. So maybe instead of 10 years, it's five years. Maybe it's in terms of adding some upside potential where, you know, hey, if we are able to successfully execute my plan, I can give you more money later. So there's a, you know, a pay uh, a down the road uh, opportunity for them. So in any event, you kind of get the sense, right? So you're thinking about it from what is, what is important to the person who's letting me have this money, right? So from the bank's perspective, they need their return on capital. From the seller's perspective, they obviously want the return on capital too, but now they have extra risk that you're going to have to figure out a way to offset. Those are two of the more common debt approaches that would be there. Now, in the case with the seller financing, 
Um, I think that the analogy of the mortgage payment works perfectly because you're able to say, hey, I'm going to give you a big chunk of money down, which, you know, again, go back to what do you think is important about the, for the seller? So they probably have still a loan. Maybe they have their own SBA loan that they still need to pay off. They may have vehicle loans, um, like in our business, if it's, if it's a lot of vehicles from their operations, they may have uh, leases or loans outstanding if they acquired those vehicles um, that they have to pay off. They may have equipment loans. You get the point. So there's, there's potentially debt that they need to clear. So in a lot of cases, you might come to them and say, oh, well, let's go back to our million dollar example. I'm going to buy your business for a million dollars. I'm going to give you 200,000 down and I'm going to ask you to seller finance 80%. Well, if they're sitting on $400,000 of debt already that they need to clear, it's an impractical starting point, right? They're like, no, this doesn't make any sense. And if anything, even if you said, I'll give you 400,000 down, all you did was wipe out their debt. They still probably in the scheme of things don't feel like that was worth their, their uh, interest, right? So you're really trying to figure out, you know, how are you coming to terms with them that's going to make sense for what they need to accomplish, but also is going to put you in a position to succeed. And that, that there may not be a way to square that it might be trying to put a, you know, a round peg into a square hole and it doesn't work. And in that case, you have to walk away, but at least you're going into it understanding, you know, what the different dynamics are. The attractive thing about the seller financing can be for the seller's advantage, spreading out that tax liability. Um, so obviously if they get all the money up front, right, if you purchase it, well, they're going to owe taxes on that entire amount. Whereas if you're paying them off in installments, that tax can be spread out through that installment payment. So that can be an attractive way to position it to the seller of saying, Hey, you know, here's your, a lot, you know, a lot of people are used to having their, um, you know, draw from the business anyways on a typically like a monthly or quarterly basis. So it could be kind of keeping up with the normalcy of how they've operated and lived their lives for the last however many years they've been running the business. So it could be attractive to say, hey, rather than just getting this one huge lump sum of money that now, especially in today's market environment, you're going to have to turn around and probably put in the stock market which may terrify a lot of sellers to begin with because most of business owners are already a little skeptical of the stock market because they're used to operating something that they've had full control over. Now you're telling them, go put this money in something that moves like a roller coaster, whether they, you know, execute properly on their business or not, right? So there's already an, an initial skepticism, but if they get all that money up front, now they're going to turn around and, you know, where are they most likely going to put it? And, you know, they're not probably going to put it all in a single real estate property. So oftentimes it's going to be the stock market and that may scare them too. So they actually may have more trust in that if you're able to be a you know competent buyer, that you're likely actually going to be able to continue to make those payments to them on the process. So if you can add an attractive interest rate to it, it actually may be to their liking where they say, hmm, I'm going to get a big pile of money up front, you know, clear off the debts that I have, maybe have a little bit extra just to put in the bank and have some cushion. And then I'm going to continue to get my regular paycheck or what, you know, feels like my paycheck. It's really your, your payments to them on an ongoing basis. Um, over time, that could be really compelling. It could not, but I mean, it's, it's a, it's definitely a avenue worth exploring to see if that's something that they're interested in. So you have options is the point. Um, and in that case, uh, the seller financing can be particularly attractive because it definitely sets you up for a nice win-win with the seller, you know, in, in that example. So those are, those are the more common paths. Uh, you have your, you know, again, your full SBA loan. There's a bunch of rules that I won't go into on how the SBA works. But one of the important ones is for typically your initial acquisition, 
you do have some sort of down payment required with it. Now, what's exciting is once you're in the arena and in the game, if you will, the SBA then actually allows you to do what are called expansion acquisitions, which I have since done. And in some cases, you can do those with 0% down. So that allows you a lot more flexibility from a cash standpoint to potentially execute on these opportunities as they present themselves. So there is definitely a, a benefit once you're in the game, so to speak. You know, the game is tailored to then support you a little bit. Getting in can be a little bit more of a burden, but it's uh, I kind of describe it as analogous to your your more, your typical home mortgage where you got your down payment. You know, the the bank will lend you the difference. Now, again, there's there's some things where they will allow certain seller financing, and there's various rules that I, I think is outside the scope of this video. But just understand the gist of it is commonly the seven A is used as an entry point loan to get into new businesses. And if for some reason you have um, you know something like in my circumstance where the the licensing is required and you can't access that loan, you may be able to explore some additional opportunities directly via the seller, but understand that you are now adding a burden to them that you're going to have to overcome through some other measure. So those are the more common options on the debt side. If we move over to the equity side, that is when you are taking on investors. So you're giving up a part of the ownership in your company to basically have access to their capital, their wisdom, you know, whatever they're bringing to the table. It could be various things. I have not chosen to go that route at this point. Um, I, I, think I'm hard to probably be I, I, at this phase of my career. I'm, I don't think I would do well necessarily answering to people. So on the other side, you have your your equity investors. And these are people who are either lending their money, their time, their wisdom, you know, whatever there may be, but they're basically contributing in some way to the company, in which case you are exchanging a percentage of the ownership for that. Now, again, I haven't gone that direction, but that becomes uh, a popular dynamic, especially as you're fueling significant growth, you know, maybe taking on a private equity partner, a family office, you know, some sort of strategic strategic investor, where they're coming in and basically helping you springboard to the next phase of business is really common. Um, you may just have friends and family, you may have partners, you know, people who are going to help you accumulate the money. For some reason, if you couldn't get the debt um, to work, maybe you had um, reservations about the debt because there's personal guarantees that can be involved with those SBA loans. Um, maybe, you know, your significant other or, or someone close to you wasn't willing to take that on, or you just personally felt uncomfortable with it. I would say if, if you feel uncomfortable with the PGs, you're going to probably going to have to get comfortable with them because pretty much have to PG a lot of stuff when you're in the business world. But that is a, you know, one of the reasons that a lot of people will end up taking on some equity investors. You know, it can be a phenomenal path. Again, I haven't personally used that at this point, but I know a lot of people who have and have been, you know, very happy with the decision. I mean, it's something that I'm kind of always contemplating and evaluating, you know, when would be the right time, if any. And that's just a decision tree you're, you typically are having to work through. You know, can I meet my objectives from the debt vehicles that are available to me and still feel comfortable from a cash flow standpoint and, you know, making sure my payments are covered and I'm not putting the company at undue risk by taking on too much debt versus, you know, do I want to have equity investors who I'm answering to, you know, that are getting a return on the company's profits, you know, all of that type of stuff. So, and that's just a decision tree you're kind of constantly working through. Um, but those are, those are two of the common frameworks. In either event, no matter which way you're going, I think it's very helpful to understand, you know, going back to it, what are the incentives of the person who are lending you the money? Like, what do they care about? And so obviously, as I said before, with debt, getting their money back and making sure they're getting their payments. With equity, it may be a, a, a bit of a different thing. Not to say they don't care about getting their money back, but typically on the equity side, it's more about the upside opportunity later. That could introduce other challenges that you may not be aware of. So, you know, they may basically want or slash require you to then exit that business down the road. So you may be thinking, hey, I have this 
infinite time period in mind. But if your investor is saying, well, hey, how am I getting my money back with a return? You know, year five, year seven, they may be saying, hey, we need you to go bring this thing to market and try to sell it so that you can get your payments, you know, from the sale and give them back to your investors. So just be careful. You know, it, it could open up some dynamics for things that maybe you're not thinking about operationally they're really important um, as you kind of get this going and really funding because a lot of times people will feel like they're backed into a corner and, oh, I just have to bring people on and they don't really know that you may be able to explore these uh, debt channels first. Um, but ultimately, it's a pro and pros and cons of each and each one has, you know, there's some sort of upside or downside associated with it and it's really just whatever is better for you at the time and business that you're at, not necessarily one being better than the other. So those are pretty common approaches. Um, and then obviously, you know, if, if once you're in the arena, um, the, in my opinion, one of the primary goals is to utilize cash flow to continue to reinvest and have opportunities to do um, acquisitions through cash flow. So with our, our Zoom Drain franchise, that's one of the things we were able to do is actually take money from the business and then reinvest it back in to help expand that. And I think that's exciting because that's where you're, you know, I, ideally that's the, the goal of the business, right, is to be able to continue to grow. And as you're growing, you're expanding opportunities for your employees and all the, that comes with that. And so we're in the phase of life where it's uh, really reinvest heavy into the business and make sure that we're continuing to expand the opportunities for the team. And um, we'll continue to do that. So we're really looking at a mixture right now of the two opportunity sets, which are either reinvesting from the business profits or, or, or growth that we're seeing, or, you know, utilizing debt channels uh, in an effective way where we're not over leveraging ourselves and putting the company at risk. And then who knows down the road, maybe there's an opportunity for investors, but at this point where we're not there yet. So I, I hope that kind of helps in the decision tree process as you're going through um, different opportunities that are available to you. If you have any questions, please drop them in the comments. You can also uh, shoot me a message directly at Rick Vaza on Twitter. Um, if you found this valuable, which I hope you did, please uh, share it, like it, subscribe, all that good stuff. Help us grow the word. It's a new podcast. We'd really appreciate it. And uh, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>